Well, well hey, howdy, howdy, hey. Welcome, welcome to, to the Texans Texas Take. Wow. Uh, that took a second. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I thought you were, like, uh, fully prepared. I didn't know you were I still... was fully prepared. <laughs> Until you weren't. No, I was prepared. I just, you know, <clears throat> had something in my mouth, that's all. Um, I knew it was coming soon. I didn't know that that <laughs> soon, but I was ready. Well, you said go ahead and start. Yeah, I guess I did, didn't I? <laughs> anyway, let's get chicken. Um, well, howdy, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so what's going on in Texas? This is according to news, <laughs> U.S. news, um... Updated June 28, 2021. All right. By Phil Hessel. Two people were killed and two others were injured in a gas explosion on Monday, northeast of Dallas, officials said. The accident occurred at around 3.30 p.m. as workers were conducting pipeline maintenance in a site in Collin County, north of Farmersville, the sheriff's office said. Man, so it looks like they were working on the pipes. and You know, there's safety procedures and stuff in place for reducing static and, you know, stuff like that. I wonder if somebody did something wrong. <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, when, you, when you're fluke. dealing... I know I have, I've had a couple friends that were like uh, welders and stuff in these uh, refineries, and it doesn't take much. No, it doesn't. It really, you know, all it takes is a chain falling off and hitting the ground yep. wrong. And there's yeah. enough in the air. Just that alone could that alone. could set stuff off. They have to be really careful in welding. You know, they have to kind of test the area before they start welding. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, you're working by fire right there. Sure, yeah. You know, and I've heard people say their biggest fear is, like, welding and actually going through the metal it's like oh <laughs> you know because a lot of them are working yeah. on just mega tanks you know the size of this house mm-hmm. you know if not bigger that are full of you know unrefined gas yeah you know it's not yeah it's in its purest form right now which makes it a lot more you know um unpredictable no kidding <clears throat> and i don't know what kind of gas they were working on. I don't know if it was like natural gas or petroleum or whatever. It just says a pipeline. Um, but uh, anyway, the scene is safe, but officials asked people to avoid the area. The people killed were not identified. The explosion occurred as sub- subcontractors for Atmos Energy were conducting maintenance, the sheriff's office said. Atmos Energy said in a statement that its technicians uh, are working with first responders. Our prayers are with those who are affected by the events in Farmerville, Texas today. Out of respect for their privacy, we're not releasing any names or additional detail at this stage, the company said. The FBI asked, uh, was asked to help because they have expertise in processing scenes after an explosion, the sheriff said. Farmersville is around 35 miles northeast of downtown Dallas. <coughs> Yeah, and it's good to have, as I hate to say it, but it is good to have agencies like the FBI on hand for those incidences because what inevitably happens, right or wrong, we could argue that till today ends and the next day starts. Yeah. Lawsuits will come. Yes. 
And if things are handled improperly, you know, it leaves no protection for anyone saying, mm-hmm. hey, this is just literally a fluke incident. You know, it's always good, in my opinion, in those big things to have both state and federal law enforcement and not necessarily FBI, but <clears throat> they are the most common to investigate something like that as a second party. Yeah. Because if it does go to, you know, federal court as a, as a lawsuit. Yeah then at least the, the feds have already investigated it and said, hey, right. this is legitimately an accident. <clears throat> but uh, that is, that's horrible to hear. I hate, it hate really is. stuff like that, you know? It reminds me a lot. Every time I think of gas Those explosions. Those guys put so many hours in. Oh, I know. And yeah. they've got an incredibly dangerous job, which hopefully with that's why they're paid a lot. Oh, they're, yeah, <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're overcompensated. That's, which is that's, good. It's good, you know, I know... Uh, I have one of my friends. He's he does no longer does it. He had a he had an actual he had an accident years ago uh, that left him mostly mostly crippled. Yeah. Um, he's gotten a little bit of it back over the years, but um, <laughs> he said people stop him all the time. Well, you're lucky you don't have to work. He's like, no, I want to work. Yeah. Are you I'm, kidding I'm me? kind of in a position where I can't. Yeah. You know. Terrible. But and and his his accident was unrelated to work. Another fluke accident that happened while, you know, he was having some fun. But I think it was a motorcycle accident, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly. Uh, he was being stuff. covered by his work insurance or something. <clears throat> I guess, but I mean, before him as well as colleagues, I mean, they were making fifteen plus a month, oh, you know, doing whoa. what they're doing whoa, as messy. welders on a yeah. at a refinery. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, they would go to refinery to refinery where the, the, wherever they were, pretty much asked to go wherever yeah. they were asked to go. Yeah. But I mean, he he was uh, at at one time early when he started this, because um, their welding is so specific. Like you, unless you can pass an X-ray on a weld, yeah. Like unless they can come in and X-ray your weld and say that it's a hundred percent perfect, yeah. You don't get the job. Yeah. <laughs> These guys, oh yeah, they, yeah, they they um, and they test you every six months. I mean, they do some. It is they hard, go hard, hard work. It is, it's and not, you have to be the top of your <clears> skill level. To and you do that. have to be safe about it. But he was telling me, you know, ten is the lowest he ever made doing that. Wow. You know, so these guys they get paid, but again, they're in a very dangerous profession. Yeah, yeah. And you well, got to I mean, think, think about, about their family. Yeah, you know? think about their family, and on top of that, you know, what are they doing? They're welding. Okay, what are they? What 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 is welding? It's applying ridiculous temperatures. To melt metal, mm-hmm. right? And what are they welding? They're welding extremely flammable, content, you know, you know, substance holders, you know. Right. And so it's like, okay, so you're welding things, you're applying lots of beyond fire temperatures to things that are holding flammables. Yeah. So while flammables are in there, that's right, what a lot of people right. don't realize. They're doing a lot of this. While it's already While a full it's, container, yeah, yeah, and so uh, a lot every of just, every day of their job that they're actively working, you know, their life's on the line. I mean, and and that's where I, you know, and I, not only that, but the life of everybody else on the raid. Yeah, everybody in the near vicinity. I mean, and so if you don't have the best working on this stuff, then you know. that's why I, I'm still a big proponent of trade schools. Yeah, uh, I have nothing wrong with a degree if there's something specific you're going for. Mm-hmm. 
but I've never hated on people for these professions that yeah. like this. You know, you can go to a, a very class A welding school yeah. um, for a lot less than you can a tier one university. Sure. And sometimes, if not every time, make as much or more than someone that has done oh, that. Absolutely. You know, I mean, in that tier one <laughs> yeah. bracket. Now, so that I'm just saying there's nothing wrong with it. If you want to, you know, we need everyone. Sure. You know, we need the people that are the doctors, the lawyers. You know, we need the Ivy Leagues just as much as we need the person out there welding a pipeline. Yeah. Okay. Does it make anyone's job less or more important? Not necessarily. You know, you all have a place on this chessboard, sure. you know. <clears throat> so as, as far as the importance go, I mean, our economy needs everything. Yeah. But it is certainly something that those, those men and and I know there's women welders out there. I don't know how many of them are on the pipeline, but you know, at the end of the day, they get paid for for the risk they are encountering. The risk they're encountering, yeah. and you know, they, you know, their <clears throat> their jobs are so important. I mean, if I was, you know, shelling out cash to important agencies out there, one of them would be, you know, keeping the oil and gas going yeah. because. That's our lights, you know. It is. That's our lights, that's our cars, that's our food, our transportation, you know. And uh, if something is done wrong, and the thing is with you know, anything, oil and gas, even if everything is done perfectly right, things can still go wrong. It's not a perfect science. Nothing is, you know. <clears throat> They're going to do their best, and that's why, you know, these guys, before they go into the refineries and stuff, you know, they have to pass the x-ray check, yeah. you know. Um, my dad said early on, <laughs> laughably, but very serious, you know, I would never want to do that. My welds will hold, but they ain't pretty enough to pass that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, you're, they're not going to break, but they're not going to be that pretty. Yeah. You know. Anytime, you know, I think about uh, gas lines or um, gas explosions or oil explosions or whatever. You gotta shoot up a prayer for the people working on these things, man. They're just... You do, yes, but that's not where actually I was going. I was gonna say it reminds me of the John Wayne movie. Which one? Uh, the one where he's putting out oil fires. What is that one called? Oh man, I know what you're talking about. I don't know what it's called. I'm drawing a blank. Is it somebody's name or is it like oil fire? <laughs> no, it wasn't somebody's name. Forget what it was. We'll have to look that up. We'll 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 start the next section with that. I know the movie you're talking about. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it's not his most John Wayne role. It's not. It was one of those. John Wayne had a western. He, well, so he had a spell of years. It was about a ten year period um, where John Wayne really focused. Because guys, John Wayne is an American. Sure, like true to the core. Like, don't mess with my country, these mm -hmm. are my people. And that was a, there was a 10-year gap there where he really focused on doing military movies to bring support for the military. Yep. Uh, Air Force, he did a couple Air Force movies. Yeah, seen Green he did Beret, Army, he did the Green Beret. That was an amazing movie. Yeah. And again, for the firefighters, because he was a firefighter in that movie. Yeah. And he, but there was a 10-year period where he was making these movies and it was gaining support for yeah. these different you know, groups of people that we don't necessarily think about every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, how many movies, you know, when, when you think about fire movies, what's the first movie that comes to your mind? It's not that movie, obviously. Now it would be. Fire movies? 
really the, the only one that comes to mind is backdraft for me. Yeah, you know? yeah, backdraft. You know, or, or fireproof. <laughs> fireproof. Yeah, yeah. That's a little lesser known, but a but lot yeah. Lesser known, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, those are movies that come to your yeah. mind. That that was nothing was being focal pointed because this was early '60s when that movie came out. Yeah. And that was John Wayne. What he was trying to do was bring focus to things that people aren't having thrown at them all the time, so they don't think yeah. about it. You know, how important is your firefighter? Well, <laughs> yeah. this is a good example of why. And so, but a lot of people don't know that he kind of stepped away from, you know, his normal Western movies for about a ten-year period. He did the Green Beret, the Sands of Iwo Jima. Yeah. You know, he did several of them right there together. Yeah. And it was bringing supports to different branches of military, police. He did, uh, later in life, he did both Brannigan and McHugh. You know, he, he was known for stepping away from his normal persona to bring light to something else. Sure. Like McHugh, there was a big, <clears throat> there was a big a time right there where he did McHugh that a lot of different um, states and local level law enforcement were coming under massive scrutiny for uh dirty cops yeah well in McHugh, what's he fighting a dirty cop yeah <laughs> the whole movie's about him trying to to yeah, beat a dirty cop uh it's a good movie it's yeah. i like it better than brennigan uh okay. brennigan is kind of an offset movie because he's yeah. not in his own land sure, here sure. you know so it's kind of like uh taken away but all these <clears throat> movies you know he wasn't playing that you know cowboy pardon me sir role Right. You know, he was doing the other movies only to bring light to this, and yeah, that's something yeah. that uh, both and, you know he, Ethan and Patrick get, did an interview section with that, and they're like, he was passionate. Yeah, yeah. And when he wanted to do something, you were not going to stop him. Yeah. Now he plays <laughs> John Wayne in all of those roles. Yeah, he does. You know? <laughs> he does. You know? He's still John Wayne. Uh, I but... mean, like uh, uh, the Green Beret. You know, that's such a guy. Uh, he's he's very. <laughs> I mean. I was going to say something stupid, like he's very John Wayne. It was like, no, he is John Wayne, you know. If, if he plays something other than John Wayne, then... Which is funny. That's why he failed acting twice. Yeah, I believe it. <laughs> that's all he does is himself. <laughs> Which, fortunately for himself... It works. Everybody loves. Yeah. You know? I mean, because in all honesty, John Wayne is a terrible actor. Mm -hmm. But he plays himself so well, you know. <laughs> And uh, so I'm all for actors that, you know, <clears throat> he was passionate quote, unquote, about what he did. That's that the biggest good on screen. Yeah. You know? Are they typecast? Yeah, but they don't care because they're making lots of money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, and it works for them. And good know? actors, you'll see them play in diverse roles and change their personality completely. You don't see that with John Wayne. When he plays in different roles, there are a few movies a few precious movies where he does actually seem like a different man. One is the barbarian and the geisha. You You're right. Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I forget who he's playing, but he's, uh, I want to say he's an American, uh, naval officer in Japan mm -hmm. around, gosh, 1850s or something. Something like that. I could be very wrong. I've only seen it like a time or uh, like once. Um, but he does do a really good job in that movie. Um, changing his, you know, actually acting. Yeah, well, that's what I was about to say. You know, you you, you kind of nailed it on the head. In the when As soon as you started talking, my mind went, 
so far away from John Wayne. <laughs> it wasn't even funny. Yeah. But then I, as I'm sitting here letting you, you know, finish your thought, I'm going, oh, wow. That's almost the same situation. So stay with me. Stay yeah, with yeah. me for a second. Jack Black. Okay. Yeah. Jack Black always plays Jack, Jack Black. Black. Okay. There now, are that is a amazing. Just few roles. They're amazing. So I am a Jack Black fan just because I can sit there and watch slapstick. Which is funny. All day. I hate Jack Black. I, I can, really but I can hate watch, him. I can watch <laughs> stupid comedy all day long. I don't, see, I like comedy too, and I do like stupid comedy, but his is like a brand it's of exaggerated. stupid comedy it that I really so, don't like. <laughs> it's, I mean, I just, you know, you, you grab a beer and you sit down, and it's like, it's watching the Three Stooges. Like, it's so stupid. It's okay to laugh at this. You yeah. know, it really is. That's kind of, you know, the way I've always looked at that. Oh, it's funny, you know. And then, like, out of the blue one day, I, again, I was years late to the party, y'all, uh, watched God's, or wasn't Godzilla, King Kong. Mm -hmm. He plays such, like, I was sitting there watching this going, mind blown, that's Jack Black, but it's not. Because mm -hmm. it was so serious, the whole, like, there yeah. wasn't, I kept waiting for like, ha ha, let's do something stupid and backflip off the mountain or something. Sure, sure. None of that. He was so serious the whole. But he did a great job acting, and I was like, man, that's versatile right there. Very. Because all we've ever seen this guy in is something where he's stupid, exaggerated. Laugh at him. He's gonna make fun of himself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Embarrass himself in front of the camera, yeah. and then you see this one role where he's like, wow, wow, he did a that really is amazing good job. Yeah. And that's what actually made me like really admire Jack Black as an actor, because it's not that hard to play yourself. Sure, yeah. <laughs> you've been yourself I mean, since what, you what were born. What hopes that you play yourself yeah. daily? <laughs> I mean, you've been yourself since you were born. But then when you you and you know Jack Black is that kind of goofy, oh, yeah, probably sure, yeah, just yeah. He, just he's obnoxious. Yeah. He is, and and then when you see him in a serious role, and you're like, he's getting paid for that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's but totally a, away from John Wayne, but that's the same situation. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's, it is literally like step away from what I normally am, and this is what I am today. Yeah, you yeah. know. So anyway, because uh, he wanted to play football, I don't know if you knew that. Really? Yeah, he wanted to play professional football. Huh? He was uh, he was frontlining. He actually uh, he worked as a prop man during college to make his way through college mm -hmm. and then john ford because he, he had taken acting classes and didn't think that was for him he failed them but while trying to get himself through college playing football um he worked a part-time job as a prop man on john ford's movie set yeah. and john ford was like i want you as an actor what's your name well, marion robert morrison no it's not me it's john Wayne. yeah that sounds much better you're now john Wayne. yeah yeah and he got the name the Duke. I don't know if you know how that he was. Uh, and and he does. By was the way, a lot of people his first don't know. No, a lot of people don't know that uh, he has a very special place in his heart for firefighters because mm -hmm. he, uh, like, he, his dad not around. I don't remember exactly why. He helped raise his brothers and helped put food on the table at an early age. And uh, one thing he did when he wasn't working. He hung out at the local firehouse, okay. and they had this uh, – I had it in Grand – Grand 
The big white fluffy dogs, the ones that are huge. What are they called? Oh, 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 uh, um, um, Great Pyrenees. Great Pyrenees. Thank you. I had it up until I was trying to tell a story. The first thought was Grand Marquis. I was like, that's not a dog. So, yeah, no. Um, I mean, they're both big. <laughs> but there was this uh, Great Pyrenees that was the, the firehouse staple. He was just a no-man-owned-him dog, just a stray. Mm -hmm. And they called him Duke. Mm. Well, Duke would not leave John Wayne. So he would just follow John Wayne around town. So they started calling him Big Luke, Big Duke and Little Duke. Uh, and so that's how he got the nickname Duke. Duke. Okay. Okay. And so that carried into, uh, I think, the first, the first couple movies before John Ford said, your name is John Wayne. John Wayne. He is actually listed as, uh, like in the cast, mm -hmm. in the breakdown, Duke Morrison. Uh, He's not listed as John really? Wayne in his first couple movies. It wasn't until the Stagecoach, which was his first big movie, yeah. that they have him listed as John Wayne. Huh. Now, yeah, they yeah. went back when they redid all these movies 10 years ago. They went back and put, starring John Wayne, you know, the first of the movie. But. Yeah, you know that John Ford probably had that name... John Wayne, like in his mind, like he was probably for years just like, man, wouldn't that make a great acting? Movie? Yeah, I know, right? You know? And then you got this this budding, you know, uh, this kid with the name Mary, yeah, with a terrible name for acting. Anyway, not 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 a terrible name, but a terrible name for who John Wayne Which is. Which is funny because that's a French woman's name, Marion. Right. <laughs> well, it's actually no, no, it's actually uh, um, it's actually a guy's name, um, French. Possibly French, um, but it's a. Uh, it was originally a guy's name. It's, well, it's prominently in France as a woman's name. That's where I was going with that. There are several. Maybe. There are several actual woman actors that I know. That's how I. That was what kind of made me laugh about that name when I first found out his real name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it does sound feminine. It does. Now. But before before nineteen hundred, that was a that was a guy's name. Oh, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going that far back. No, no, yes. no, yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, no, sure, sure. It's just like we were talking. But now it's like when I hear somebody marrying, I'm like, who are you marrying? <laughs> <laughs> or you look more like a Jack than a Mary, you know? But Well, it's like I had uh, I had this conversation with one of my managers recently, too, because they, uh, we had a customer the other day, had a, a name that would have been, you know, 10 years ago. An acceptable woman's name, yeah, uh, or something like that. You know, like uh, you know, my mom has a friend. Her name is Bobby. Bobby, yeah. Which was, you know, in the seventies, a prominent woman's name. I guess I would never consider it was B O B B I E. Yeah, Bobby. Yeah. That was a primary, uh, you know, woman's name. And there were a lot of names like that that we could. That, that's the one that strikes my mind the most. That was prominent back in that time. They've kind of shifted. Yeah. Again. They were before, then they had a little shift, and then they shifted again to where it's like, and you see that, it's like, oh, is, this a, is this a guy or a girl, you know? Oh, I've never considered Bobby a girl's name at all. If it was somebody with bobbed hair, then I could be like, oh, okay, Bobby. I could see it as a pet name, you know? But uh, not like for a pet, but I mean like, you know, some guy is calling his girl Bobby or something. Mm. Um, but Jesse, growing up, I always thought that Jesse was a girl's name and it, it has been i mean it's used i know yeah. a couple of jesse in fact i knew i knew a jesse and i was like 
His name is Jesse. <laughs> the poor guy. Well, you just you insulted know. Jesse James so many ways. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> uh, but that's what I thought growing up. And then, you know, past a certain point, you know, dad was like, hey, Jesse's a guy's name. I was like, pardon? Like, look in the Bible. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. shoot. You know. And so it was Jesse as for a guy and Jessica for a girl. And now it's Jesse for a guy or a girl and Jessica for a girl. Yeah. And so it's like, nah. You know, all the all the good guys' names oftentimes get feminized. Um, and it's usually for a ten year gap. That's yeah, that's what I've noticed. Yeah. There's a fad. It's well, a ten it's year like gap. A, like Bobby has like, only ever been used like people born in the seventies. I, I'm gonna say late '60s is a stretch, but yeah. late '60s, early '70s, that was Bobby was a woman's name. After that, it was like, no, yeah. And you do see that there's a change for a little bit, and then everybody's like, "Yeah, enough of that." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, hey, we gotta take a break here, and we'll be right back with the word of God. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. <laughs> And we're back. back. What's the name of the movie? Uh, Hellfighters. Hellfighters. That's right. Hellfighters. John Wayne. Marina Harris is in there. Is, it? is she? Marina I don't Harris? know. I still haven't pulled up. Hold on. I want to say she is. Uh, see if she is first before I talk too much about her. But anyway. We said she was in a lot of his. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They act really well together because they both got, you know, she's got kind of a a fiery personality and he's got kind of a, a stubborn personality and no Catherine Ross played Catherine that. Ross. Okay. Okay. Oh, whatever. Anyway. Um she's a stunning little thing. She is. Is that because his his daughter is in the movie too. Not his daughter, but the like the character that he plays. She would have been old enough to be his daughter. Uh, what's the cast? Hold on, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh, that's Tish. Mm-hmm. Huh, that's huh. probably his daughter. He may not have a wife. Maybe so. I don't remember the story. Huh, maybe you're that. right. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. Anyway, there you go. Hellfighters, go see it. Check it out. Tell us what you think. Uh, but we are not talking Amazon about Amazon Prime is your friend for finding all John Wayne movies, yeah. I have noticed. They're there. You may have to pay $2 for it, but they're there. It's yeah. worth watching. Yeah. Um, anyway, well, we're not talking about John Wayne as a subject today. We did talk about him a lot, though. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm a John Wayne fan. We are in Second Samuel. Second <laughs> Samuel 18. And. Uh, where did we leave off? Ah, yes. Absalom got stuck in a tree. And he died. Not by... Anyway. Absalom got stuck in a tree and Joab was like... Somebody saw it and Joab was like, Yeah, hey, why didn't you go over there and kill him? He's like, with you watching, you'd go turn me in, dude. Come on, seriously, I know how this stuff goes. You know, and anybody who touches royal blood is going to die. And he's like, whatever. And so he goes and kills him. And after he falls out of the, after Absalom falls out of the tree, 
10 other guys come in and stab him. So Absalom didn't die very happily. Uh, but anyway, so let's uh, let's keep reading on here. Let's see. We'll start at 14. Uh, wait a minute. Hold on. We might have actually read past that. No, I think we actually killed Absalom and moved on. Um, yeah. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll read through this anyway. So Joab blew the trumpet. People were turned from pursuing Israel. For Joab held back the people, and they took Absalom and cast him into a large pit in the woods and laid a very large heap of stones over him. Then all of Israel fled, everyone to his tent. Now Absalom, in his lifetime, had taken and set up a pillar for himself, which is in the king's valley, for he said, I have no son to keep my name in remembrance. He called the pillar after his own name, and to this day it is called Absalom's Monument, which that surprises me, uh, especially since Absalom was so uh, uh, loose with all of David's concubines and such. Uh, it's, it's a thing. Yeah, and so I'm thinking, like, dude, how did he not have any kids? I don't know. Anyway, then Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, said, Let me now run and take the news to the king, how the Lord has avenged him of his enemies. And Joab said to him, You shall not take the news this day, for you shall take the news another day. But today you shall take no news, because the king's son is dead. Then Joab said to the Cushite, Go tell the king what you have seen. So the Cushite bowed down to Joab and ran, and ran. And Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, said again to Joab, But whatever happens, please let me also run after the Cushite. So Joab said, Why will you run, my son, since you have already no news ready? Uh, but whatever happens, he said, Let me run. So he said to him, Run. Then Ahimaaz ran by the way of the plain and outran the Cushite. Um, so anyway... I'll give you just little bits and pieces here. We're in uh, 2 Samuel 18. Um, uh, he ran. He actually outran the Cushite and got there first. And David's guys were already up on the wall. And they're like, ah, if somebody runs and he's by himself, he must have news. And so they're like, bring him in. He's got news. And then they see the other guy who started running, the Cushite. And they're like, wait a minute. He has news too. We have lots of news. Um... So anyway, the king said, Is the young man Absalom safe? Ahamaz answered, When Joab sent the king's servant, and me, your servant, I saw a great tumult, but I did not know what it was about. And the king said, Turn aside and stand here. So we turned aside and stood still. Just then the Cushite came, and the Cushite said, There is news, my lord the king, for the lord has avenged you this day of all those who rose against you. The king said to the Cushite, Is the young man Absalom safe? So the Cushite answered, May the enemies of my lord the king, who all, uh, all and all who rose against you to do harm, be like that young man. Then the king was deeply moved and went into the chamber of the gate and wept. And he went, he uh, uh, and as he went, he said thus, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom. If only I had died in your place, O Absalom, my son, my son. And that is the death of Absalom. And um, anyway, David <laughs> goes on. Uh, so now we're in chapter 19. And Joab was told, Behold, the king is weeping and mourning for Absalom. 
So the victory that day was turned into mourning for all the people. For the people heard it and said that day, the king is grieved for his son. And the people stole back into the city that day, as people who are ashamed steal away, steal away when they flee in battle. But the king covered his face, and the king cried out with a loud voice, Oh, my son Absalom, oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Then Joab came into the house to the king and said, Today you have disgraced all your servants who today have saved your life, the lives of your sons and daughters, the life of your wives and the lives of your concubines, in that you love your enemies and hate your friends. For you have declared today that you regard neither princes nor servants. For today I perceive that if Absalom had lived and all of us had died today, then it would have pleased you well. Now, therefore, arise, go out and speak comfort to your servants. For I swear by the Lord, if you do not go out, no one will stay with you this night. And that will be worse for you than all the evil that has befallen you from your youth until now. Then the king arose and sat in the gate, and they told all the people, saying, There is the king sitting in the gate. So all the people came before the king, for everyone of Israel had fled to his tent. And... A point can be argued there. Yeah. Uh, something that, you know, Bill instilled in me. Oh, I was just thinking that I know where you're going. Very going. early, going. Uh, you know, because the, the dealings uh, up until most recently with my, uh, my ex-wife had been not grand. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's saying it lightly. Yes. Um, but one thing he instilled in me, and it is... It is actually, I've come to find, a very hard and uh, valuable lesson to learn, but it is also something that is very widely misunderstood and also, uh, you know, uh, what's, uh, what's the word? argued. Yes. Love your enemies as yourself. Yeah. Now, that being said, we cannot take away here, regardless of fault, a father's love. Because if we take that away, what are we to God? Yeah. What standing do we have? I'm, I can be the first person to say, I sin every day. I don't know about everyone else. If y'all don't, <laughs> come talk to me. <laughs> we need to have that conversation. But I know I do. I am so far beyond perfect that it's not even funny. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you do see a type of Christ here mourning for his children who did not follow the path of righteousness mm -hmm. and ended. Now that speaks to me, you know, what, what do you think the conversation is going to be at the judgment day when you have to stand before God yeah. and say, I did all this. And he says, Oh, my son, my son, you've not followed me. Yeah. You were not one of mine. Go away from me. Yeah. Do you think that's going to be easy for him? No. You know, I kind of don't, in a sense, appreciate the scolding that David's getting right here. Mm -hmm. Because David is, A, mourning for his son. That is yeah. a normal thing. Absolutely. His son did a lot of wrong. Yeah. No one in the world is going to say he did everything right. Yeah. That's just not, it's not possible. Yeah. But at the end of the day, he is mourning for his son. Regardless of circumstance, all of that happened badly. Okay, that is a type of Christ, because when we sin, 
you think God goes, oh, well, he just sinned again. That hurts God. This is something that actually has been beneficial for me with kids. Mm-hmm. You know, when I sit down with Lila and say, look, you didn't you didn't just hurt me when you did that. You hurt God, too. Yeah. Because he knows what you've done. I know what you've done. But you didn't just hurt me. You hurt more than me. And I think that's what we're seeing here. David knew all of what his son did. He was aware of it. He's not He's not absent to everything that just happened. Yeah. But he's still sorry that this happened to his son. Because mm-hmm. there wasn't necessarily a chance. There was, but there wasn't, for him to bring him back wholeheartedly. Yeah. Which is why David said, don't touch him. You know, David still had that inkling of hope that he can be turned back mm-hmm. from where he is. Do we all think that's far-fetched? Sure. I said that about me at one point. People said that about me at one point. Mm -hmm. You know, that was widely thought that I could not change. But I had a small group of people that said, yeah, he can. Yep, got your show. (laughs) That encouraged me to change, you know. So it is possible. And I'm sorry for the breakthrough there, but that that just hit me wholeheartedly. No, I was thinking the same thing. It really was because... Um, because there's a lot there that you miss if you're just looking at the scolding. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, should he encourage his people? Absolutely, he's the king. Yeah. But let's not take a moment to understand that he just lost his son. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's not the first child he's lost, but this one is different. Let's see. Uh, I'm trying to find exactly where it says it, but he he does say, you know. Uh, why are you? Why are you loving? Ah, oh, here you go. Yeah. Um, the lives of your wives, are the, in that you love your enemies and hate your friends. Um, for you have declared today that you regard neither princes nor servants. Uh, for today I perceive that if Absalom had lived and all of us had died today, then it would have pleased you well. And you can see that this is imperfect. Okay, that's not exactly the way David would behave. No, but you're seeing a part of his personality that is very Christ-like. Okay. And what, what you know, Bill would call a type of Christ right. or a shadow a of Christ to come. And if anybody has ever seen a shadow, it's not perfect. Nobody can look at a shadow and say, that looks exactly like Brig. Looks exactly like Stuart. No, I mean, no. It's a you- two-dimensional stretched silhouette. You think all but, 12 of the apostles or disciples yeah. were extremely thrilled when he just like haphazardly forgave the woman at the well? Sure. Yeah. You think they were thrilled about that? Well, you love her more than us. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? You're seeing yeah. this Christ like attitude of, I'm going to mourn for my child yeah. because we are God's children. Mm-hmm. You know, we are his. So you're taking that moment of mourning and then you have somebody coming along going, uh, that's not cool. What do you think about us? Well, I'm not there yet, guys. Why do you love your enemies more than us? You know, and David doesn't necessarily love his enemies, you know, more than his people. But um, you can see here that he does. He loves his enemies, which is a very Christ-like attribute. You do. And that is something that was hard for me to learn. We are God's enemies. And we are not his enemies now. He has saved us, but he loved us while we were his enemies and brought us to him. 
because we were powerless to do so ourselves. And who's to say that we can't bring our enemies to Christ? Right. I've recently uh, we we've had a thing, and I won't I won't address the whole thing here just yet. But you know, I I've had a it's been a lot in the last month that I've had come to me, and one of them was one of the people that was you know very much an enemy, you know, professing Christ, and I was like, well, this is. This is a lot for today. Let's talk about this tomorrow. <laughs> you know, I kind of that's how I shut it down because yeah. I was like, okay, you know what? I've had enough todaying for today. <laughs> let's let's talk Too about this tomorrow. And I have since then talked, and I believe it. I mean, and it's it is a blessing. And what's hard for me is, and this just goes to show, from my personal walk with Christ. I can't wholeheartedly say I've loved them. Mm -hmm. Have I not shown them anger or resentment? I have done my best not to. Mm -hmm. But I don't know that I've always done my best to love, love them. them. Yeah. Okay. And at the end of the day, you know, I now see that they're coming to Christ. And I'm like, excuse me, maybe I could have done more. Mm. Yeah. That, that kind of hit me the other day because I wasn't sure that it was being said in the moment because there were a bunch of other things talked about in that. 20 minute section. I was just, I kind of haphazardly brushed it off as, oh, uh, well, maybe you're gaining favor. But they have nothing to gain favor. They, they don't have, yeah. if anything, they have the upper ground. By telling you that. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, not, they're not gaining anything by telling me this. And I had conversation with them after this, and I, I believe it. Yeah. And so it's one of those things that it's just like, I almost, you know, it's almost like I'm just like, sorry, God, I, I don't know that I did enough. I really. Yeah. And I struggle with that. Like the whole trust God more than I can do it myself. Everyone does. Oh, sure. You know? Absolutely. I mean, and that's that's a hard thing that I, I had to kind of overcome right there. We're going to take a break right there. We'll be right back. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. <laughs> Ah, we are back. Alrighty. So let us see. Yep, yep, uh, let's see. Wait. Oh, I lost my place. Wrong page. I am back. Alright. So David returns to Jerusalem. Now, all the people were in a dispute throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us today. We're reading today from the Duck Commander Faith and Family Bible. New King James Version. <laughs> <laughs> Weren't expecting that. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Uh, okay. Ba, 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 ba. The king saved us from the hands of our enemies. He delivered us from the hands of the Philistines. And now he has fled from the land because of Absalom. But Absalom, who we anointed over us, has died in battle. Now, therefore, why do you say nothing about bringing back the king? So King David sent to Zadok and Abiathar, the priests, saying, Speak to the elders of Judah, saying, Why are you the last to bring the king back to his house? Since the words of all Israel have come to the king to his very house. You are my brethren. You are my bone and my flesh. Why then are you the last to bring back the king? And say to Amasa, Are you not my bone and my flesh? God do so to me, and more also, if you are not commander of the army before me continually in place of Joab. 
So he swayed the hearts of all the men of Judah, just as the heart of one man, so that they sent his word to the king, Return, you and all your servants. Then the king returned and came to the Jordan, and came to the Jordan, and Judah came to Gilgal uh, to go to meet the king, to escort the king across the Jordan. And Shemai, the son of Gera, a Benjamite, who was from Baruim, Bahurim, one day, uh, hurried and came down with the men of Judah to meet King David. There were a thousand men of Benjamin with him, and Ziba, the servant of the house of Saul, and his fifteen sons and his twenty servants with him. And they went over the Jordan before the king. Then a ferry boat went across to carry over the king's household and to do uh, what he thought good. Now, Shemai the son of Gera fell down before the king when he had crossed the Jordan. Then he said to the king, Do not let my lord impute iniquity on me, or remember what wrong your servant did on the day that my lord the king left Jerusalem, that the king should take it to heart. For I, your servant, know that I have sinned. Therefore, here am I, the first to come today of all the house of Joseph, to go down to meet my lord the king. But Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, answered and said, Shall not Shema be put to death for this, because he cursed the Lord's anointed? And David said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zeruiah, that you should be adversaries to me today? Shall any man be put to death today in Israel? For do I know that today for do I not know that today I am king over Israel? Therefore the king said to Shimei, You shall not die. And the king swore to him. Ah, uh, mind you, he is being incredibly merciful. Very merciful. Um, Far more than he should for millennia forever. Pretty much. Um, anybody who usurps the king's authority, anybody who sides with the other side, if the king keeps his authority, uh, the first rule of order is to kill all the leaders who opposed him, uh, especially if they were once with him. Not because... Because if somebody... If, if, you, if you fight... Uh, some enemy that you've been fighting forever, you know, and you finally win and the guy get up, gets on his knees, hands you a sword and says, my sword is your sword. Uh, do with me what you will. Uh, but if you'll have me, I am yours. And the king may say, oh, he's a good fighter and he seems genuine. I'll take you. But if somebody was with him before, betrayed him, and then came back groveling on his knees saying, I'll, I'll, do, say it. Not gonna do, I'll it again. do it all for you. It's like, yeah, sure. Uh, I saw that. You betrayed time. me before. You know, an enemy coming in this situation never betrayed you to begin with. He was always your enemy. He was never your friend, stabbed you in the back and then came back. Uh, and so it's really hard to forgive someone. And on top of that, not only is it hard to forgive, but also... Uh, this guy is now untrustworthy. Oh, right. You know, you can always trust your enemy. <laughs> he will always be exactly because he's your that. enemy. You know, uh, I mean, whatever your definition of trust is, you can at least know full well that whatever he does will be against you 
and you can trust that at least. Whereas if somebody was your friend, became your enemy, is now your friend again, is he your friend or is he your enemy? I can't trust him. And so the rule of, you know, centuries has been kill him, get rid of him. He defied you. Um, he betrayed you. He's a traitor. Uh, and uh, the only, you know, the only thing you can do is kill him because the king's life is, you know, um, is in question here. Uh and so David's being very merciful to this guy, you know, uh, because he did betray him. And David is basically saying, look, I know I'm king. Everything that's happened here, whatever's happened here, I am king. And that's for certain sure. Nobody's going to take that from me. I have confidence. Uh, and part of it, I believe, is he's trusting in God. You know, God told him that there would be strife in his household, that his own seed would rise up against him. Um, and that's your punishment for the sin that you, David, have committed. And so, you know, Absalom's dead now. And so, you know, uh, whatever God promised against David, uh, as far as his immediate seed goes... Uh, that, that promise has kind of been fulfilled whenever Absalom died. Because he said, your seed's going to rise up against you, but I do love you. And I've already forgiven you, but you've got some hard times coming, David, my friend. Um, and so uh, David kind of sees this as the end of God's punishment to him. And so he knew, he knew that everybody would rise up against him even his friends and his own family. And so David's basically saying, look, you know, I'm king now. Um, I feel like God's done punishing me. And so I have confidence that I can trust this guy, you know. Uh, and enough people have died today. We don't need anyone else to die. Um, and, you know, his worst enemy in this case was Absalom, and he was sitting here mourning over Absalom when he died. And so, you know, you'd think that his, you know, temperament against um, Shimei would be, you know, decent at least, which it is. And so he says, you shall not die, and the king swore to him. Moving on, um, David and Mephibosheth meet. And I guess it's something that I hadn't, no, maybe I had thought about this, I don't know. Um, I don't know, has David actually met Mephibosheth yet? Because he kind of promised him, you know, you shall eat in my, on my, at my table every day and you shall have land and sheep and women and a whole thing. Oh, I don't think he has yet. I don't know, he hasn't mentioned it exactly, but here we see it in 24. Now Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king, and he had not cared for his feet, nor trimmed his mustache, nor washed his clothes, from the day the king departed until the day he returned in peace. It says that, yeah. No, he had a mustache, apparently. Doesn't say beard. Uh, North washed his clothes from the day the king departed until the day he returned in peace. So it was, when he had come to Jerusalem to meet the king, that the king said to him, Why did you not go with me, Mephibosheth? And he answered, My lord, O king, my servant deceived me. For your servant said... 
I will settle a donkey for myself that I may ride on it and go to the king, because your servant is lame, and he is slandered, and he has slandered your servant to my lord the king. But my lord the king is like the angel of God. Therefore, do what is good in your eyes. For all my father's house were but dead men before my lord the king. Uh, yet you set your servant among those who eat at your own table. Therefore, what right have I still to cry out any more to the king? So the king said to him, Why do you speak any more of your matters? I have said, You and Ziba divide the land. Then Mephibosheth said to the king, Rather let him take it all, inasmuch as my lord the king has come back in peace to his own house. And so, ah, just, you know, Hugs and brothers and amen brother all around, you know. Um, it sounds like there's a little bit of peace in the land. And, you know, um, Mephibosheth is basically saying, you know, I, I could have come back, but, you know, um, I, I wasn't really understanding completely what he was saying about his servant, how he had deceived him. Let's see, I will saddle a donkey for myself that I may ride on it to the, go to the king because your servant is lame. I guess he's saying, you know, hey, the king gave you everything, and that's nice and dandy, but you're lame, and so I'm leaving, and I'm getting on the donkey. Bye. <laughs> Sucks to be you. See you later. Uh, that's what it's sounding like anyway. I don't know. Um, but anyway, he's like, hey, look, oh, king, you're looking after me, and you're tending to everything that I've got, and uh, I really don't ask for anything more than, you know, basic needs. Uh and so just, you know, give all the land to Ziba and let him divide it. He'll actually be able to do something with it. And, uh, um, you know, uh, you've come back peacefully, and, and that's all good to me. So anyway, um, Mephibosheth seems like a kind soul, if nothing. Uh, let's see. David's kindness to Barzillai. And Barzillai... The Gileadite, Barzillai the Gileadite, came down from Rogalim, 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 something, and went across the Jordan with the king to escort him across the Jordan. Now Barzillai was a very aged man, eighty years old, and he had provided the king with supplies while he stayed at Mahanaim, for he was a very rich man. And the king said to Barzillai, Come across with me, and I will divide for you while you are with me in Jerusalem. But Barzillai said to the king, How long have I to live? What I should go up to the king to Jerusalem? I am today eighty years old. Can I discern between good and bad? Think your servant taste what I eat. Let's see. Can your servant taste what I eat or what I drink? Can I hear any longer the voice of singing men and singing women? Why then should your servant be a further burden to my lord the king? Your servant will go a little way across the Jordan with the king. Why should your king repay with me such a reward? Please let your servant turn back again that I may die in my own city, near the grave of my father and mother. But here is your servant Chimham. Let him cross over with my lord the king and do for him what seems good to you. And the king answered, Chimham shall cross over with me, and I will do for him what seems good to you. Now, whatever you request of me, I will do for you. Then all the people went over the Jordan 
And when the king had crossed over, the king kissed Barzillai and blessed him, and he returned to his own place. I don't remember this guy, Barzillai. I do not either. Um, but um, maybe an old family friend? No, I'm not sure. Ah, the quarrel about the king. Now the king went on to Gilgal, and Chimham went on with him. And all the people of Judah escorted the king, and also half the people of Israel. Just then all the men of Israel came to the king, and said to the king, Why have our brethren, the men of Judah, stolen you away, and brought the king, his household, and all David's men with him across the Jordan? So all the men of Judah answered the men of Israel, Because the king is a close relative of ours. Why then are you angry over this matter? Have we ever eaten at the king's expense? Or has he given us any gift? And the men of Israel answered the men of Judah and said, We have ten shares in the king. Therefore, we also have more right to David than you. Why then do you despise us? We were not the first to advise bringing back our king. Uh, let's see. Were we not the first to advise bringing back our king? Yet the words of the men of Judah were fiercer than the words of the men of Israel. Ha, 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 ha. So Israel and Judah are at it again. Um, and so it sounds like uh, as they're going back to Gilgal, uh, it sounds like they're trying to both have favor in the king's sight. Mm-hmm. You know, ah, we suggested that the king should come back first, so we have more right to the king than you. Yes, well, we've never, you know, uh, eaten at the king's expense, so, and, you know, we've never asked anything of the king, so we have more right to the king than you. Uh, anyway. Well, let's go ahead and stop there. We're at a good stopping point. We're at chapter 20. So on Thursday, we shall read... Uh, Lord willing, uh, chapter 20 and maybe further. Uh, but here we have the story of David coming back to power. So he left. Uh, God fulfilled his uh, wrath on David. Uh, his son Absalom is now dead. And so now we see David bringing the kingdom back to himself because the kingdom was kind of partitioned in a couple of pieces, you know, especially after he was booted. Uh, Cause then you had all the people that went out with David and then the people that stayed in and David has come back and he's King now. And so he's like, yeah, I'm King over everything, which is bringing a little bit of strife because some people went with David and can claim, Oh, we went with David. So, you know, we're doing pretty good. And he's king. And right. everybody who didn't go with David are like, hey, David, we're with you now. You know, because you came, you came like, back. Oh, and, are you? Yeah, we're, you know. <laughs> uh, sorry we didn't fight for you before, but, you know, you we've got your backs now. And David's like, you know what? I don't want to kill anybody today, so whatever. You know, I'm king now, and everybody just kind of get in line and follow me. And so now you have people that were with him and against him that are now both with him, that are kind of bragging over, you know, um, their rights with David. Um, so, anyway, uh, David is bringing the kingdom back to himself. 
Uh, and uh, yeah, so that is the end. And I'm going to put a marky mark on the. We will be right back. And we will be right back. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. <laughs> All right, so we are All right. back. We're back. Um, so there's a lot that can be said here. There's a lot of little bits of this. And um, there's a bit of foreshadowing here uh, of Christ. And Brig, do you want to talk a little bit about that? what you saw earlier yeah i mean just uh you know the basic is i kind of i think what up took me and like i said guys i've read this before it didn't really strike me the same way now as it did then but you know you see in the the people scolding david for really mourning for his son right. that's what was happening yes yes uh enemy aside yeah. he was mourning for a child yeah you know which we Obviously, no, this is not the first one he's lost. Yeah. Um, and this is a continuance of the same sin. Yep. Um, yeah. It's taken a little while for David to pay that one off. So he is, uh, you know, uh, some people could probably argue this is a sacrifice for that sin. Mm -hmm. um, but you see that foreshadowing of Christ in forgiving us mm -hmm. and mourning. Yep. When we sin, really, yeah, that's really what it is. But like I was saying earlier, you can't, you can't expect. You know, we we could think of people, and I, I'm going to shout out one that n never came to Christ, as far as earthly people know. Uh, Ted Bundy. Let's throw Ted Bundy sure. out here. This is a good one. Did a lot of wrong in his life. Yeah. A lot. Racked up more than we actually know. Uh, we know a little bit, but probably not everything. Yeah. Do you think when, you know, and he will. Mm -hmm. Ted Bundy will stand before the God of gods, the Lord of lords, and have to give his take before the judgment throne. Yeah. Do you think God's going to be happy that he is sending... Ted Bundy to hell? Or do you think he's going to mourn for that soul? Because that's what you're seeing here. Yeah. Regardless of not where Absalom fell on that tree, we're seeing someone who's done a lot of wrong, showed no repentance, mm -hmm. and David is mourning for him. Taking yeah. that moment to mourn for him, I think that's the same thing that's going to happen for everyone on the judgment throne that right. doesn't get to have a place in heaven yeah you know regardless of if you're part of his fold or not see that's the thing that a lot of people don't realize is god being all-knowing knows who and who isn't going to come yeah he knows that it doesn't mean he's not going to still mourn for the people that are not going to be a part of that and then you could argue that mourning is not a trait of god but he's not going to be thrilled yeah honestly i'm not 100 percent sure um, because I think that there's definitely an uh, argument to say that he mourns for those that, you know, don't come into heaven. Uh, and that's my argument. I'm not saying that the deserving factor is not there. Right, that's right, not what right. I'm arguing. Yeah. I'm um, arguing the fact that God 
he's not up there like shaking a candle going, ha, I knew this one wasn't going to make it. You know, you know what I mean? Like, right, right. He's not happy about it for sure. Um, but that is definitely an aspect of God that a lot of people, especially Christians, like to downplay is God's justice. Because J.I. Uh, Packer, y'all. Oh, it. yeah, absolutely. Knowing God. Yeah, man. J.I. Packer. Because um, that man has insight. You know, he talks about the wrath, mm -hmm. the love, the hate mm -hmm. of God. A lot of people think God doesn't hate. Oh, yeah, he does. He does. Um, yeah, it's it's not... just like when Jesus was talking about those that cast out demons and do good works and heal people all in the name of God. Uh, but one day Jesus will say to them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. And that's what I'm saying. You yeah. know, that's He's not going to be thrilled to have those words uttered. Right, right. And there will be a lot it of doesn't, that. It doesn't give God uh, a happy, tingly, giddy feeling to cast <laughs> no people warm into hell. You know. And, and um, I think there are some people out there that think that that is the case. It's yeah, not. I, I don't think you so. You know, God God is not going to be happy about that. And I think you're seeing that foreshadowing here for all of us Christians, you know, that that understand and have read, you know, the different aspects of the Bible. Yeah, you're seeing David, regardless of what just happened, uh -huh. he's not going out there and saying, hey, yeah, hey, y'all killed him. He's going... Oh, We've lost son. a soul. I've lost him, yeah. You know, yeah. and from any father's perspective, mm -hmm. that's your first reaction. I would hope. Yeah, but I'm just saying that is an exact yeah. reflection of God's reaction. A, when someone is unrepentant. Mm -hmm. What What is your takeaway? Oh, my son, come on, you know. You know better than this. Yeah. You yeah. know, regardless of... The fact that we we knew this was going to happen because of the the prophecy to David, we knew. But at the end of the day, it doesn't make it. It doesn't give you warm fuzzies. It doesn't make you happy. Yeah. He still lost a child, yep. and that doesn't mean he hates the people that were following him. Mm -hmm. Just like mourning over a sinner, the woman at the well. Yeah doesn't make Jesus any less Jesus mm -mm. or any less the father of us all. It doesn't. No. No. Yeah. That's true. So And I think, you know, the biggest the biggest takeaway here today is that right there, you know. Understanding that, you know, God doesn't shine a light when you sin. You know? He doesn't. He doesn't get the warm fuzzies when you sin. No. But as uh, you were reading, read that verse. Which one? The the one. Uh, the angels rejoice in heaven. There's uh, a. I know you oh, had it. We were talking about I, this. I should you know, still have it. When. Uh, and it, it's a direct opposite of what we're talking about, which is good to, yeah. to have that takeaway. This is Luke fifteen ten. It's a really beautiful and moving passage. Uh, but it's in a it's a long talk. It's about the shepherd who lost his sheep. It's the sh it's the talking about the shepherd who left the ninety and nine sheep to go after the one sheep, and when he got it back, he was happy and rejoiced, and was telling people to rejoice with him. 
And just like the woman who had 10 pieces of silver and lost one piece, lit a candle and went all around the house trying to find it and found that piece of silver and called her friends and said, please come over and rejoice to me. I have found what I had lost. And Jesus says, likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. And so if you are a sinner and you repent before God, there's a party in heaven. There's with brisket a party in heaven. Ooh, I know, good. right? I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm all about brisket in heaven. Oh, yeah. Just imagine brisket now versus brisket in heaven. Oh, that's hard to imagine, honestly. That hurts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I know that it will be better. But I'm still like, you know, uh, I shall be. Uh, it's going to be surprising. How much better it's going to be. <laughs> uh, but uh, that is that is the main takeaway. I don't know if you had anything else to to add to that. Well, uh, I just did. I did. I do want to add to that that. Um, you know, we see here the finish, part of the finish, not absolutely the finish, but the finish of the big part of God's curse on David. Punishment. Punishment. Not necessarily a curse, and a lot of people do reference that, but it's more of a punishment because it's not really a curse because it is, it's not something that he didn't earn. Yeah, what he, do you mean? Well, so a curse by nature is something that happens... I can curse you. A witch curses you. Uh -huh. But in the same sense that God punishes you, it's different than a curse upon you. Uh -huh. This is something that David did, and this is the punishment of the wrath of God forthgoing, which is yeah. not necessarily a curse. It could be, though. That's, Maybe. I, I, I believe mean, that I, it could be. See, I, I think I think it. I mean, I think that kind of boils down to semantics. You know? It probably does. Uh, I mean, I've always looked so, at it as a punishment because – I'll look He's at it obviously done something to earn this. And I, I earn a lot of people think earn is you know, always in a positive way. It's not. No. You know, you can earn a punishment yeah. uh, just like you can earn a praise. Yeah, just like the wages of sin are death. Yeah, you know, you know so uh, you're getting something that's not good. Yeah, it's it's not it's not something that you, you want to have. Yeah. And I, so that's why I've always looked at it. This is a punishment for this because as we see it doesn't necessarily follow him all of his life. No, no, no. It doesn't follow and that's, him And that's all what his a life. curse ends up being, in my mind, is something that follows you forever. Well, that's, if that's the case, then you could say that because what does God tell David? it's not a curse hey, on him and all of his family. It's a curse, but it's a punishment for this specific thing. And it's not going to follow him and all of his descendants forever. Uh -huh. That's what we have to look at here is this is – just like, you know, and look at it. You have to kind of look at it in two different lights here. Uh-huh. You know, because we have to remember David committed two sins. Yeah. Very big sins. Uh, he broke all the sin, all the Right, but I'm talking the two big ones would uh -huh. be the adultery with Bathsheba. Yeah. And then the murder, murder of Uriah. So yeah. he has paid he paid for one of those with one child mm -hmm. and one of those with another. Yeah, And he was, up until that point, his punishment was, you will have strife in your household until I'm finished. Yeah. And this is, you see God finishing this punishment and allowing him to come back as yeah. king. Which is something that 
with a curse in my mind is something that follows you forever. Right. It's not something that you get to get away from, you know. Uh, it could be. But it could be. The curse I'm, is lifted. I mean, you've heard I mean, that being said. Agreed, agreed. I, I think it could go both ways. I use curse just because it, it, it's probably you know, verbiage. I mean, if you it think really it, is. if you think about David, yeah, it is a punishment for sure. But you know, I he lost I, two kids over it. But I think us as and, Christians uh, looking at it as a punishment is more resolving as far as understanding basis mm -hmm. of this is what David went through. This right. is the wages of sin versus this is just a curse. Well. well you know, if you look at it like yeah. that, you have to understand, you know, sin, this is what God expects of you. Obviously, we have the Ten Commandments going on, yeah. so on and so forth. If it was a curse, it just, it doesn't add as far as like a Christian and going, to me, it mm -hmm. may be different for you or for others. But for me, you know, to understand that as being a punishment for X, Y, and Z mm -hmm. versus an actual and it's probably just verbiage it really is I but that's probably what it is at the end of the we day is it both ways for me it brings a better light to the situation understanding it i don't know if that makes yeah. sense i know i've said that a couple times but um are you actively looking it up i'm just trying to look up a definition of curse and, well that's I, I was gonna do it but if you're already on the on the path i won't worry uh, about it let's see Let's see. Da, 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 da. Evil or misfortune that comes as if in response to impreca imprecation, whereas retribution, intolerance is the great curse of every land. Uh, a cause of great harm or, misfor or misfortune. Um, and uh, something that is cursed or accursed. Um, and. Uh, Oh, I think that you could say a punishment could be a curse. So uh, I just looked up the definition of punishment. Uh -huh. The definition of punishment is um, it is a penalty inflicted. Yeah. So, uh, you know. The penalty of that, you know, that penalty is. An infliction or imposition of a penalty as retribution for an offense. Which mm -hmm. is what we do see here. Now, it could, again, that could yeah, also be yeah, a curse. Yeah. But I think that it's the same word just being used. It is. It's, it's two different words meaning, in this case. Right. And curse thing. may extend further. Maybe yeah. that's, that's it's a, a good like, like mine, I was saying it's a cause of great harm and misfortune, torment. But could be a penalty for exactly, retribution. Exactly, yeah, exactly. no, so, no. Uh, yeah, so it, it, it's interchangeable yeah. as far as I'm concerned um, here. Anyway, that, that wasn't the point. The, the no, point no, was no. just, you know... <laughs> um, David's punishment, curse, whatever you will, is being lifted for the most part here um, in that Absalom is dead now uh, and his kingdom is being restored back to him. Um, and, uh, and so oh, a takeaway from that is that, you know, look at David's life. You know, he did really good things, wonderful things for the Lord. Uh, he sinned greatly against God, and boy, when he sinned, he went, he went all out and beyond. Yeah, I mean, um, that's my grandfather. How did he not said, If you're gonna do it, do it right. Yeah, do it right. <laughs> he didn't do a anyway. Uh, and 
God said, yeah, you're going to have this and this and this and this and this happen. It's going to happen. That. And um, so anyway, that's just to say that the, the sins that we commit against God, uh, we do pay for them. And sometimes we pay for them here on earth. Uh, and sometimes we don't. Sometimes the evil, there's, there's a, I want to say it's, it's David, I believe, who is uh, in one of the Psalms. He's asking God, why do the evil have it so good? Why do they get good things, you know, for their evil? They're tormenting me and they're being almost rewarded for the bad things that they're doing, you know. Um, and the answer to that is, you know, God might not be punishing them here on earth. Their punishment might come later. Later. And when I think about that, it's like, you know, yeah, but I want to watch them die. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, that's what I want. Uh, but what does God say? Vengeance is mine. Yeah, he has a, he stakes vengeance a claim on is that. Is mine. He has all the claim to vengeance. Um, and uh, what is, you know, uh, when we see evil on this earth, and Lord knows there's a lot of it that we can point at, you know, uh, we may be sinful beings, but we want justice. When we see all these evils that are going around unpunished, I want justice for it, you know, and I want it now. You know, I think about a lot of politicians that I'd like to tar and feather and ride out on a rail. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to see justice. Um, and uh, the fact of the matter is, is that justice, true justice, is God's. And when you think about the justice that God will deal out to, uh, you know, to the damned, uh it is going to be a perfect justice. Actually, no, I say that. That's I said that wrong. The justice that God will deal out to everybody will be a perfect justice. Will be. Everybody will get, um, you know, retribution perfectly. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about, you know, paying somebody back, um, you know, I would probably go above and beyond. Or right. not nearly enough. And, you know, there's something to be said for an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, and this, that, and the other. And we think, yeah, well, an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. Well, I don't think that God was telling us to punish people an eye for an eye. I think he was saying that that's true punishment, and that's what he's going to do in right. the end. You know, and so if God does it perfectly, then an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, and you'll get exactly what's coming to you. Um, and God says the wages of sin is death, and so any any sin that is committed, you know, death is the, the true reward for that. Um, which, as a Christian, I am exceedingly happy because I don't have to get judged by that. And it will be just, too. Because the Bible says that when Jesus takes my sin on his shoulders, I am uh, just before the eyes of the Lord. You know, God is just and right 
to forgive me of my sins when he sees that Jesus took the penalty for it. Right. And so um, all that to say justice is God's, true justice is God's, and uh, uh, the evil shall get the just reward, and God's children will get rewarded also. And so we see little bits of that here in David, uh, but uh, true judgment comes um, when we are before God, um, you know, in the first death. And uh, so anyway, well, we're going to we're going to stop right there. Uh, Y'all, we'll see you on Thursday. And uh, we really look forward to it. All right. Adios. Adios.